couple of weeks ago, I was talking about, um, I was talking about uh, how do we hold what's going on in the world. So what I do in these teachings, for those of you who are new, I talk about um, some aspect of the Buddha's teaching, some aspect of Dharma. Dharma is uh, the Pali word for the language the Buddhist teachings were written in. Um, that kind of means teachings. Um, and one of, the, one of the definitions or translations is teachings. And um, I'm really uh, all about the pragmatic uh, use of these teachings. How do they, how do we use them in our lives to bring us ease? It's not about any kind of where we're headed or where we're going, but what is it, how can I put these things to use today? And what they've meant to me is it's really this practice. I've been doing this for a number of years. It's, it's changed my life. It's changed my relationship to most things in my life. The outside hasn't changed very much. But the internal relationship to the world has changed so dramatically that I can walk through the world without, with a lot more ease um, than I did before. And, I, and if you talk to people who have uh, done this practice or studied this and put the principles into practice in their life, as with anything, you can read a cookbook and never, you know, never lift a pan then you're not really going to get anything out of it. It's, it's an intellectual exercise, but this is if you actually do the practice and really integrate these teachings into your life, I have found it makes a tremendous difference. And, and as I said, people I talk to have found that as well. So that's what I try and do in these classes is offer my experience of these teachings and um, offer them for you to pick up or leave. Um, and don't believe it just because I say it. That's, a, that's the, what the Buddha said. He said, you know, see for yourself if it ends your, your discomfort, your dissatisfaction, your unease, your suffering, your stress. If it does, great. If it doesn't, check out something else. So it's really about um, um, you know, making, having these, these teachings be relevant to you in your life. And I find that even though they're 2,600 years old, they're so relevant to the world we live in. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how do we hold the insanity of the world? Uh, and um, because it was right after the, the, the uh, shootings in Christchurch. And I mentioned that I looked at my notes because I wanted to talk about that because I believe in bringing, you know, there's no out there and in here it's all one. And so, you know, making sure these teachings remain relevant. So talking about what's going on in the world and how do we hold that and how do these teachings support that. And um, unfortunately, I had notes from Charlottesville and Ferguson and Orlando and Paris and on and on and on and on because this is just kind of a thing, unfortunately. And now there was this fire in, um, at the Social Justice Center in Tennessee last Friday with the white power um, um, symbol uh, found outside and um so i wanted to talk about uh that's what i was talking about a couple of weeks ago and one of the pieces of how do we hold this is talking about love and i said you know what tonight let me just talk about love 
And the Buddha does do some teachings on love, the loving kindness, the metta sutta, um, which is really powerful. And, um, you know, I, so I want to talk about that. And, and uh, you know, I, I was sitting, sitting there um, thinking about this, and it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, I grew up in the 60s, and so there was a lot of talk about love back then, love and flower power, and it was really great. Because when I was 12, I wanted to be a flower child when I grew up. Somebody asked me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I was thinking about it today, how how that, my understanding, I can't tell, obviously, what other people were thinking, but my my understanding of it when I was 12 and 13 and 14 years old was so surface. I didn't know what anything meant. And now... um, Yo, lo these many years later, there's a such, and because of my experience with these practices, my, my understanding of it has come to a much deeper level and recognizing that it's not just a, a cute bumper sticker or really cool lyrics to a song, but it's absolutely such an important part of what we have to develop as human beings to be in relationship with each other. Love is this foundational foundational teaching and practice and way of um, viewing the world, this view of, of uh, seeing each other through this lens of kindness and compassion and cultivation of well-being is so important. And... Um, it's really basic, and so I want to talk about that tonight, and I think what I'll do is start with reading the Buddha's words on loving kindness, the metta sutta, and it's not that long, but it's really, um, somebody said that all the teachings are, because they said that a lot, all the teachings are in this one paragraph, so all the teachings of the Buddha and what he's talking about are contained in these, um, this little page here. So you won tonight. Congratulations. You got it all. (laughs) Um, So this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downward to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, 
one should sustain this recollection. This is, to be sa- this is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one and having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. So there's a lot of words there, but the bottom line is we should cherish all living beings omitting none. We cherish all living beings omitting none. Um, And that's 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 quite the ask because we are not born and we're not raised in this world without some very deep conditioning, without some, we've, we've had um, things instilled in us, whether conscious or unconscious, that there are um, better and worse and worthy and unworthy um, people, ourselves, um, that are basically delusions that are cloud the mind, that keep us from this fullness of connection. Because when we're really um, cultivating this place of open-heartedness and tenderness, there is a connection with others that's really quite extraordinary. Um, and so that is what this, this, this journey has been about. This journey of Buddhism is about disentangling ourselves from this cloud of, of conditioned ideas, of seeing things through this haze and, and being willing to let go of these fixed ideas. That's what it says at the end. We let go of these fixed ideas that we're told that you have to be this nationality or this color or this gender or this anything to be okay. And it changes all the time and it depends where you are and who you're with. And, and so there's these, these unattainable goals that are just made up. They're just all made up that we have to navigate and that keep us from loving each other, that just put up walls. Um, and we're hurt by these things. We receive, we're all been the butt of discrimination. We've all been hurt in some way, shape, or form. And in our culture, some people are more targeted than others. And that's been the history of the world. So we have greater or lesser experiences of this, but we've all been hurt. And our initial response is to not be hurt again. So we put up some walls and then there's the messages received from our culture. So we put up more walls. And, and so this is a, the Buddha's like, nah, that really causes harm. Cause if you look at it, a lot of it is driven by fear and we get caught up in greed because we want more. And if we have more, then we'll be okay. Then we'll be taken care of or, or push them away. Cause they're going to get mine. You know, let's put up a wall that'll keep us safe and we'll all live happily ever after. You know, let's do something like that. And so being aware that um, that's not the answer and being willing to look towards our own experience and to look towards what is necessary for us to move toward this place of loving kindness and compassion for all beings is a hell of a journey. 
It's a hell of a journey. It's asking a lot because it's asking us to stop and turn and actually look at our own experience and to look at maybe our, yeah, I wouldn't even say cherished beliefs, but beliefs. This, 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 but this is the way it is kind of thinking that we don't even know we have, but that operate, um, that is how we operate. Um, we have to, first of all, loving kindness, this, this kindness practice is unconditional. How many things do you know are unconditional? There's, it's so transactional. I'll do this if you do that. I'll give you this if you give me that. Whether, again, whether conscious or not, we live in, we live in a very transactional culture. Um, we live in this, this capitalist society. Um, I, I, my husband goes to Burning Man every year. And, I, and um, people think it's a barter economy, and it's not. It's a gifting economy, which is incredibly radical. It's people gift with no expectation of return. Not everybody gets it, but that's what it is. It's like, here, have a grilled cheese sandwich. And it's like, well, here, would you like something? And it's like, no, that's not what it is. It's actually gifting. And so that's, that's kind of, um, that's, that's unconditional. That's an unconditional way of being, which is like kind of like, I, I understand it intellectually, but it still makes me twitch. You know, so that is what this is asking us to do, is to be unconditional, to wish all beings well, omitting none, omitting none. Now, but what about the assholes and the truly evil people? I know that's a question some of you may be holding in your mind. And it's like, it doesn't mean we invite them into our house. Because this is also a practice of absolute responsibility and accountability. But it means we don't harden our hearts to others. This is a practice of really taking care of ourselves so that we can turn outwards to the world and not cause any more harm. Because when we're caught up in that delusion, when we're called, caught up in that, that um, idea of I'm better or worse than you, then we, it's perpetuating harm. It's perpetuating greed. It's perpetuating hatred. It's perpetuating this delusion. And it's really important to recognize that we need to get out of that. Um, delusion in the mind creates hatred for self and for others. So we have to learn to be friendly towards ourselves. We have to begin, I think, a lot of times to learn to be gentle with ourselves. Like the, the difficulty in meditation practice is um, when I uh, offer the I, uh, invitation to be kind to yourselves. How many have had difficulties with that? Yeah. Um, because we're not used to that. I, I, there's this awesome book called Radical Dharma. Um, and there's a quote in here by Lama Rod Owens, who I love. Um, he talks about how difficult it is to um, cultivate, cultivate self-love. He says, what if we've never been loved? Or what if we don't know what real love is? That's real for people. At least that was real for me in my, early, in my practice early on. Because the way I was taught to love is by reproducing oppression and violence. 
I can't love you unless I'm getting something in return or I'm going to cut you off unless you're doing something that I need. And that's the kind of love we're practicing consciously and unconsciously. So how do, we, how do you actually tune into authentic love, real love? The kind of love within Dr. King's speech, the love that isn't passive but really direct and truthful and real. We suffer because we don't know how to do that, because we've been disenfranchised from love, which is part of why I think for marginalized people that's the way in which we still remain subjugated because we've been taught we have no right to love or be loved. So it's really difficult and we have to liberate ourselves from these cycles. We've been taught we're not worthy. There's a, there's a teacher, Larry Yang, um, and I was listening to a Dharma talk of his. He's up at Spirit Rock, and he's, um, he's, a, he's a man of color, and he's gay. And he was talking about, he said he remembers before he was 10 years old, before he was 10 years old, he had this, he grew up outside Philly, and he, dis, he had suffered discrimination because, I guess, of Chinese uh, descent. And um, he said, if it's this difficult being a person of color, there is no way I'm going to be gay. I mean, he goes, I, I, am a, I have suffered this much. And he goes, that didn't last. But that was an idea. It's like, I am going to just deny the reality of my experience because I don't want to feel the pain. I'm going to deny who I am. I'm going to deny my own experience because I don't want to be hurt. And so we cut ourselves off from ourselves because we don't match some arbitrary criteria set by somebody else. So this is a practice of unconditional love for ourselves. I mean, I had a whole litany of things that how I didn't measure up. And so many of us do, whether they're, as I said, as, as, as Lama Rod said, whether they're conscious or unconscious. So how can we begin to turn towards that? There are practices for that. You know, there's meditation practices, loving kindness practice. We sit and we say, may I be happy, may I be at ease, which when you first start doing that can make you really twitch. But it's like, may I be happy. I'm unworthy. May I be happy. And sometimes, because it's so difficult for people, you have to start out saying it to yourself as a child. When you go, okay, when I was two years old, I was worthy of love. I was worthy of that. But now, blah, 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 blah. So it's, it invites us to really do this hard work of being kind to ourselves. Being kind to ourselves and how we... Um, how we talk to ourselves, our self-talk. You know, really begin to pay attention to how you talk to yourself. If you do something wrong, what goes on in your mind? Or, or if you make a mistake at work, what happens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My favorite phrase for myself was dumbass. Stan Kevin, you dumbass. I don't do that anymore because it was pointed out to me. I can't talk that way to myself. And I'm the, I'm the, what's wrong with that? And now, but because I really have had um, an experience of transformation through these teachings, when we get to the really hard teachings, like self-love for me, everybody's different. We all start where we are. 
but for me that that self-kindness and that that kind speech self-speech um, because I believed and had experience with other teachings I said okay I'm willing to do this too I'm willing to give this a try and when you get rid of that negative self-talk it's really quite extraordinary it's really quite, it's like that neighbor finally moved out or that you finally dumped that partner who never found, who nagged and bitched at you all the time. And it's like, why did I stay in that relationship so long? You're such a downer. It's the same thing, but we don't recognize it, which is where the mindfulness practice comes in. It's why we sit quietly and tune into our minds. Because we begin to see the stories the mind the mind tells us. You fucked up at work yesterday, loser. Blah 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 blah. And then you and then the teaching kicks in. That's not wise speech. That's not wise speech. You really can't talk to yourself like that. How do you shift that? Oh, I made a mistake. Oh. What does that feel like? Oh, thinking about that mistake, it feels like crap. It feels like this big 40-pound rock in my gut. Oh, and there's fear that arises that they're going to they're gonna fire me. Oh, that's the present time emotion that's arising that we learn to sit with. And when we have those really difficult, painful emotions, what's the response? The response is compassion. The response is kindness. It isn't berating ourselves. It's really holding it going, wow, this is difficult. And then the accountability piece is going, oh, could I have done something different but without that extra level of, you dumbass. There's, a, there's an equanimity, a balance going, oh, yeah, I really made a mistake there. What can I do to fix it? And how do I ensure that it doesn't happen again? Or if I hurt somebody, can I, can I show up and say, man, I'm really sorry I did that. How can I make it up to you? That type of thing. So there's this personal responsibility. There's this, there's this life of integrity. There's the Eightfold Path that teaches us integrity and how to show up in the world. And we set an intention. The wise intention is the first factor in the Eightfold Path. And inside of that, it's to live with this loving kindness as a way of life, of having an attitude of kindness. And so we set an intention to be kind. And then we take the actions to be kind. We, we set our mind in the direction and we walk in that direction without expectations of perfection, because that ain't going to happen, recognizing that we're human beings and we're deeply conditioned. And the more we practice, the more we disentangle these little, these little um, uh, ways that we've become, you know, that we've been clouded, that we haven't seen clearly what's going on. So we're really willing to say, I don't know. I don't know. But kindness is always an appropriate response. Loving kindness is always an appropriate response. Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, who's one of the co-authors of Radical Dharma, says, you have to be in the conversation with an intention towards love. Connection is love. 
We have to have a conversation from a place of vulnerable hearts. We have to be willing to drop all these fake defenses or these defenses that keep us separate. Connection is really um, a basis, a foundation of our, of our existence. It's one of the things that's been identified, you know, food, shelter, connection. And when we build up this armor, we're building up disconnection. We're, we're building up separation. And so we want to break down that separation so we can be interconnected. Because the, the joy that comes from being feeling that sense of connection with another is really quite extraordinary. It doesn't come from out there. It's an inside job, as they say. It's an internal job. Um, we get to, um, and I know for me and from other people I hear, that connection with others, that being able to have um, a sense of kindness and compassion, and compassion towards others has stemmed from my kindness and compassion towards myself. It's a, it's a dual prong. The more I work on being kind to myself, the more I'm able to be kind to others because I begin to see my own humanity. We see our own humanity, and then we can recognize the humanity in others. And th those walls that separate us, which are false, come down. We have the, as, as the Metta Sutta says... You know, omitting none, you know, radiating kindness. So we cherish all living beings, all, all. I don't know another definition of all besides all. Omitting none, all beings, everybody, no asterisk anywhere. It's everybody, everybody. So we have, to, we have to recognize that, and we have to see the humanity in each other. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a uh, I don't want to say it's a teaching, but John Lewis, let me talk about John Lewis. John Lewis is a congressman in the Atlanta area. Some of you may have heard of him. He was also very active in the civil rights era. He was uh, the first president of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and he was part of the, the, the first sit-downs at the lunch counters in Nashville. And he was, on the free, he was a freedom rider. He crossed the, the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, with Martin Luther King. He was really everywhere in the civil rights era. And he's, there's a famous picture of him in, you know, getting hit over the head with a baseball bat or a stick or something in Selma. And he said that, and I read his memoir, which is incredibly powerful, and he said that before they did their first sit-down in, in the early 60s, they had two years of non training in nonviolence, of Gandhian nonviolence. And when he was at one point in, in one of these marches after, you know, a couple of years into the movement, he saw somebody coming at him and knew he was going to get slammed over the head. And he said his practice was to find the humanity in that person, to not go to a place of hate, but to find the humanity in that person. And I'm like, that's graduate level. But he, he practiced this. He worked at it for years. And I 
have to say, I'm, I'm still like um, verklempt or whatever the word is. My heart's all in a kerfuffle. I was in a board meeting last week. I'm on the board of an organization that was co-founded by this man, Reverend Jim Lawson, who's now 90 years old. And so I was in this board, this all-day retreat with him last week. He's the guy who taught these people nonviolence for two years. And he's still saying the same thing. It's about love. You know, what is that? That was in the late 50s, early 60s. So, you know, 60 years later, he's still talking about the same thing. It's about seeing the humanity in someone who's, you know, caught up in this greed, caught up in this delusion, caught up in this hatred. No, it's it's really a challenge. And part of the loving kindness practice, we, we, we express loving kindness for ourselves, for people we're close to, for people who, you know, strangers, and for people who are difficult. We cultivate practice in our mind, in our meditation, cultivating loving kindness for difficult people, challenging people in our because we don't want to have those barriers between us or anyone else. It's so important for our own well-being and our own healing. Hatred doesn't cease through hatred, only through love. This is the eternal truth. People have said that for countless, countless, countless years. You know, when um, the one of the fathers in the uh, the the someone who died at Christchurch in the shooting at the, at the mosque, he said, I forgive the guy who did this because we don't want to carry that. It doesn't have any impact on that person. The person you hate is not impacted by your hate. You are impacted by the hate. How do you soften your heart? How do you carry that love in your heart while still having boundaries and still demanding accountability. So I, I want to really emphasize that. It's not about giving people a pass. Oh, I love you. Go kill somebody else. It's not that wacky, crazy, weird shit that some people do get into. It's not that at all. It's like, no, it's tough. It's hard. It's, it's like, dude, no. This is you are caught up in greed and hatred and delusion, and we have to work to end that. We have to make sure somehow that that ends, that that stops. Because it's about ending suffering where we see it. It's not just about cultivating love, but it's about really working to end it wherever we can. I love the sentence from that young, that young boy, that AIDS activist in South Africa, who died at 12. He was born with HIV and died at 12, but he was activist. And his quote was like, do what you can with what you have, where you are, and the time you have. Keep it simple. What can you do with what you have, where you are? Nothing grandiose, but just even cultivating a heart of love is huge. It's huge. If there's one less person saying horrible things on Facebook, that's a good thing. Yeah, please. Yeah, so, okay. Um, <laughs> So it's all so beautiful, but I I don't know if you people experience this, but like I'll read something like that or listen to what you, you're reading, and I'm like, I'm just not up to that challenge, you know? Like, and I and I was one thing I was gonna say when we were meditating. One thing that was helping me was like, I just really need to keep my expectations low. 
like about what was my ability to change. Mm -hmm. Like I and and so I, I kind of so so sometimes I'm like swept away by this, but then it just like as soon as I walk out of the parking lot, I'll do something that's not loving. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> um, but uh, like, and so then I feel. So then that's happened enough and enough times that when I hear that, I just feel really inauthentic. Mm. Like you know. Um, so anyway, but it's not. It's not that I don't. You know, I don't still practice daily and want to kind of orbit around that kind of stuff. It's something I've observed in my. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Thank you. No. That's yeah. real. That's yeah. absolutely real. And I bet that's more common than, than the other. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real common place, and I've been there. I know it. Yeah. Or I'll backlash. You know, like, oh, I listen to that good love reading, and then I'm like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know um, where I, where I, where how I try and land with that one is because I hear you and when because I struggle with this myself and it's like, well, how do I, how does, how do I experience that? Not just intellectually figure it out, but really experience that. And it's, I think, again, it's this continuing practice and this continuing to give ourselves a break. For me, the self love and self compassion is the most important thing, and recognizing that. We start where we are. We have our conditioning. We have our fear. We have our, our, our cravings. We have all these things underneath that drive us. And it's, in, you know, traditionally, it's taught the Buddha lived a shit ton of lifetimes. That's technically a quote. No, it's, he lived <laughs> all, many, 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 many lifetimes before he got this. So it's, you know, it's not like, oh, come on, I, I, I've known you for a long time. How come you don't have this shit yet? It's not that at all. We, this is what, that's why I love the quote from that, that young man, Ninkozy Johnson. What, do what you can, where you are with what you have, and the time you have. That's it. That's nothing grandiose. If I don't step on a, if I don't step on a spider today, that's awesome. That's great. Just start where I am. How can I be kind? One piece of kindness. Can I not call myself a dumbass today? Can I not call myself stupid? And then when I do something, and then the backlash starts internally, can I be compassionate towards myself? It's really a coming back, coming back. That's why this mindfulness practice is so important. So when we see we're lost in it, can I let go of that and come back? And then let go and come back. It's really just this much at a time. You know, we're all human beings. We have so much baggage. We have so much baggage. It's easy to go, well, just do that. I want to say it's this is not that at all. This is, I like to say, allow the idea of it into your consciousness. Just, just allow the idea of it into your consciousness. Because this is this is crazy, nutsy stuff as far as I'm concerned. It's just wacky. So, um, you know, how do you, how do you, you cultivate generosity to yourself? You know, what is it? Generosity and, and forgiveness are good practices. Forget self-forgiveness practices. Those are, those are, those types of things. What you have to do, and maybe if, unless there's more questions and we can have some discussion, I can break you into groups. It's like, where do you, where's your, where's your biggest, um, wall? Where's the biggest point of resistance? 
for you personally. Because that's how you start where you are. It's like, where do I suffer the most around this? Where do I have the most pain around this? It's, it's about uncovering our discomfort. And not like, oh, this bothers me, but really deeply this hurt that we carry or that we run up against. If we can name that and see that that's what needs the tenderness and that's what needs the compassion, that's what needs the kindness, that's where we start. We start with this really gentle tenderness towards ourselves. Instead of the grandiose, I got to be Mother Teresa, you know? And then one of the things I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, it's like, they say, think in geologic time, which is a long time, you know? So it's not, I'm not, you know, next week. No, geologic time. It's like, I didn't get here overnight. It's going to take me a while to disentangle. And see where you started. Have you made any, have you come any, any distance at all? Nine times out of ten, you have. We have. So to, to have that, that honest appraisal of where I was and where I am now. Oh, I don't kill spiders anymore. That's pretty cool. There's no, there's no hierarchy of compassion. There's no hierarchy of pain and suffering. You know, what do they call it? The oppression Olympics? There's none of that. <laughs> I'm more oppressed than you are. It's like, no. That it's, we are all. I mean, there's this, 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 there's this beautiful equality to these teachings and inclusivity. And we are, are, are just have to recognize our own. Um, see if we can. And don't, we don't have to do it alone. We do it with others. We do it with other people on the path. We do it with teachers. We do it with people we trust who can have some perspective and offer us a different different point of view. Because sometimes we can't figure it out when we're lost in our own brain. Because there's no, there's no point of view. There's no perspective. I always said I had a pea brain. And every, there's a ginormous world around me, but all I was, I was just lost in this little, until I had people go, uh, why don't you go over here? I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? No, the earth is flat. I'm going to fall off. It's like, no, you're not. It's round. It's okay. There's gravity. I'm like, oh, okay. But sometimes we have to have it pointed out to ourselves. So just, 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 you know, be willing to say, okay, where am I? Where, and, 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 um, forgiveness. So, that. So thank you.